am really excited that the three of us are together to talk about Amanda's Enneagram. Um, Amanda, I've known you for a couple of years lightly, but I feel like I'm getting to really know you now, just learning more about your Enneagram. So before I pass it off to Stephanie, I just want us all to close our eyes really quickly and just take some breaths. <sighs> and I'm just inviting in this feeling of gratitude right now for this time that we're going to have together to dive into all that makes Amanda such a gift in the world and to allow spirit to work through me and to work through Stephanie to highlight anything that she would benefit from knowing, whether that's from her healing or her growth, anything that needs to come through. We trust that our spirit team is active and very present with us at this time. And whew, yeah, I'm ready to get started. All right, Stephanie, take it away. All right. Okay. So before we dive into your type, do you know anything about the Enneagram or are we starting from the baseline? The only thing I knew before today was that there's numbers and very light that like, that's pretty much it. Okay. So let me just do a little bit of a primer so that it puts it in context. Um, the Enneagram and the work that sort of surrounds the Enneagram by some people's belief and work is that it's several thousand years old, that it originated in ancient philosophies. And in fact, the little symbol in the Enneagram diagram, um, let's go to that little page up there. And I'll, this, this little symbol right here is, um, whoops, by some accounts, ancient geometry. So there's what I would consider ancient wisdom embedded within the Enneagram work. And then this particular tool was developed by a group of scientists. So it brings modern psychology and science to this ancient wisdom. So that's why I chose to go and to be certified in this particular version of the Enneagram. Now, there's lots of versions out there but none of them have the scientific validation that this one has. So that's why I thought it was important. But anyway, background on Enneagram. Thank so, you. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, in this ancient wisdom, the idea was that there was a way to understand people and for people to gain an understanding of themselves that would have the capacity to lead to their own self-development and enlightenment. And so the Enneagram transgressed over time. It uh, moved out of the philosophical circles and it moved into the spiritual realm. And for a long number of years, hundreds of years, it lived in the cloistered communities of monks and nuns, primarily in the Catholic tradition. And, but it was not shared with the common man because they didn't think that the common man had the intellect to deal with all that the Enneagram had to offer. Of course, in that time also, it was mostly a verbal tradition. And so there was, people were assessed in conversation and through, through verbal conversation. So, and as it progressed, it was actually in the 1960s, 70s, it started to kind of get leaked out of those cloistered communities and into more of the mainstream. And it was actually in the late 60s and 70s when 
it became more popular and there were a number of psychologists who then began to use the Enneagram and to bring that work out into what we would think of as modern psychology. So that sort of just gives you the context. I will say that I've been working with the Enneagram now for several years. I've known about it for a number of years um, and it just continues to bring more depth and more value. The more I work with it, the more value I get from it. So I hope that's true for you also. Me too. Okay. So let's start by talking about um, what you're, how you resonated. So you resonated with a type seven, what we call the enthusiastic visionary. So she's smiling. Must feel, <laughs> did it feel true? Yes. So that's one of the things my husband always tells me. He's like, you know, Amanda is the miracle manifester, the visionary. She has all the like, you know, ideas in her head. And then my husband puts the plan forth to bring that vision to life. So yes. So perfect. Hit you right on. Good. Well, so um, as the seven, we look to sevens to be you know, I sort of think of sevens as um, they're the fun number on the Enneagram <laughs> because they are tend to be more adventurous than any of the other numbers. They tend to seek new and different experiences more rapidly than any of the other numbers. Not that other numbers don't, but not at the same pace as the sevens. I mean, the sevens are like, you know, give me something new today. If I don't have something new today, I'm bored. So Very true. Yes, so, very true. But, uh, sevens tend to be optimistic. They tend to be very flexible. They tend to be very future oriented and yet can also be practical because the sevens have a vested interest in seeing their visions come to pass. So like you said, your husband said you're a manifester. It's like, okay, sevens have that energy that says, I, you know, I've got this vision and I got to make it happen. Now, where sevens fall down on the other side is that after a bit, they don't have the energy to keep investing in executing the plan. They really just want to get the plan started and let somebody else finish it. That is so accurate. The other thing about sevens, the other downside of sevens, is that oftentimes they don't really want to experience their negative emotions and they seek to avoid pain at all yep. costs. Like that's that I don't need to go there. I'll just reframe it. They're excellent at reframing, but yes. <laughs> they can side they can sidestep their own growth when they don't embrace those emotions and go through them rather than try to go around them. So, yes. That is something so, I'm really wanting to be intentional about is going through it because I want to heal. So Yeah. It's a it's a, it's a, it takes from my experience, a real intention from sevens to want to do that because it's not your natural tendency. Just absolutely is not. So, but very valuable when you do, because it gives you a breadth and a depth in some ways that can be a starter for a new vision. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like out of the pain, out of the process, you right. might come to a vision that you wouldn't have come to had you gone around. Yep. So, exactly. 
Um, Amanda, your guides are also saying that in addition to being a seven, and that's the seven nature, that the like the sidestepping the emotion and like I just won't won't feel it, I'll reframe it, is also generational patterning. Oh. Um, for you, it's a more positive aspect. Like you're gonna reframe it to something positive. Generationally, they're saying it was more of a I'm not gonna feel the hurt. Instead, I'm just gonna feel blame, like I'm gonna blame somebody else. Um, but so you inherited a healed version of a negative pattern, so to speak. That's so fascinating. Um, does that make sense? Does it resonate? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so your, your guides want to come in and just applaud you that you're doing the work at this time where you're really concentrating on feeling the feelings while your children are so young, um, because you're preventing them from inheriting the same pattern or at least opening the door to make it easier for them to heal it, you know. Thank so. you. Yeah. All right. That's it, Stephanie. You can continue. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Okay, so I just want to kind of do some um, some sort of check-ins about some, some of the key pieces. So the worldview for sevens is you look to the future as the world is full of exciting possibilities. Yes. I feel real for you. I'm like, we could live anywhere. We could make money anyway. We can be in any community and make friends and stay connected to the friends we've already made. And there's just choices and abundance. Like it's not one path only forever. That's incredible. Right. So, yeah, absolutely incredible. The seven, I mean, that is just such a, a value and it's a value to the other people around you because having that worldview just opens up like you said the possibilities for lots of people who don't have that and this is what is true for all numbers is that we often get in the thinking pattern of that the way we see the world is the way other people see the world and we assume, sevens assume, because you see all the possibilities, surely other people do too. And that's not necessarily the case. So sometimes the value is to think about, okay, how can I bring this view? How can I bring this set of uh, perspectives to other people? Yeah. So that's just it. I, I would say that that's something that I do question, like, how do other people not see this? So yeah um and you know the next the next sort of key thing there is focus of attention and of course sevens are going to always be focused on what energizes them what excites them what seems like fun to them um and always a focus on the future and not as much on the past which is valuable to the sevens but if you're in relationship with other people who have an orientation to the past it can make for a disconnect because they think oftentimes they think sevens don't value what we we've been through these things. We should have learned from this stuff. And sevens are like, yep, moving on, moving on. <laughs> and so there can be a disconnect with those types that have more of an orientation towards the past. Interesting. So just something to kind of think about. Um, the core fear for sevens is being limited and restricting, restricted, not living a full life. And as we talked about, they want to avoid discomfort and pain. Yeah. So 
Yeah. And so sometimes what's the value of knowing your core fear is because sometimes we are acting out of that core fear because it's so subliminal. It's so that we don't realize that that's, that's where we're from. So it's like, that's just being mindful. Oh, this is, this is what's driving me. So let me see if this is, if this is real or not real. So just to think about that. And then, um, the self-talk is always going to be for most sevens about how do I experience joy? How do I experience fulfillment? And I have to have freedom. Sevens do not like to feel like they're boxed in. Yes. They just don't. They don't. Sevens will, uh, let's say, they'll put up with structure. <laughs> it's, not their, it's not their nature, but that to the extent that they feel like, oh, I have to have structure to accomplish my vision, that's enough. But uh, there has to be freedom within that. Like you just said, I could live anywhere. I can work anywhere. That's a freedom. That's a call for freedom. And I, I always say, like, why do I have to choose? You know, I want the cookie and the cake. I can have both. I, I'm not going to be limited to only one. Like, I, I apply that in all of my life. <laughs> yeah. So that sort of gets to the vice, which the vice for seven is called gluttony. Now, most people think about gluttony about people who overeat. But the truth is, it's bigger than that. Gluttony or sevens is about experiences. I got to have this and I got to have that. And I got to have some more. And I do this one thing and then that's not enough. And I got to do something else. So always looking for more, 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 more. Yep. So sometimes the satisfaction for seven is an elusive thing. Being willing to be satisfied. Yep. So. Um. So with, with you being a seven, this is, it's a very loving word of caution from your guides. They're saying, um, I forget, I know you have a boy and a girl and one's older, one's younger. Um, the younger child. Yes. The daughter. My daughter. Um, she can easily feel like dragged around. Like the seven energy can kind of exhaust her a little bit. And so it's not anything that you necessarily need to fix. It's just something that you can be aware of for like, okay, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to leave her home for this one adventure. Or like it, it's like, she's very, she wants to pick and choose which of your adventures she wants to go on. Um, and she wants to feel like she's yeah. at choice and not, she's not like along for the Amanda show, which is not, it's not what you're doing. <laughs> um, but they're, they're bringing that up. It's just something to be mindful of. Yeah, I I can see that with her. She definitely doesn't seem as social as our son. And so that that resonates. Oh, awesome. I'm just looking at your report. And on page A, we talk about the strengths and positive qualities. Um, you move towards people in connection, uh, positive tone and approach. Um, you're quick to synthesize things and make connections with folks that it's not necessarily obvious to other people, but it is obvious to sevens. Um, sevens can be resistant to conventionality and rules, which we already talked about because they have such a strong need for that freedom. It's so, um, 
You project the attitude you can do anything. You believe you deserve the best and will pursue the good and things in life. You treat people as equals and judge them on their merits. And your social charm is always enables you to be effective as a leader or as a group member. Um, I will say that in the United States, we are what's called a three, seven, eight culture. So that uh, threes are competitive achievers, sevens, active vision, enthusiastic visionaries, eights, active controllers. So we value those three types over others in this country, because that's sort of, you know, the, if you think about the sort of the personality of the Americas, it's, it's very, you know, new things push forward, you know, we were built on go west, go build this country, you know, that's all very seven energy, you know, and then eight, get it done, you know, and then, and then we're going to be the best in the world. That's a three energy. So that whole, the culture reinforces you as a seven, but what you have to be mindful of is, okay, have I gone too far to the extreme? <laughs> if, have I, you know, just something to think about. So, and then when we look at the challenges for seven, um, staying focused on one thing can be a challenge. Um, the need for stimulation and excitement, you know, can sort of put you on a path for self-indulgence or excess, which we just talked about gluttony. Um, just trying to think if there's anything else that just sort of stands out. Um, since I don't know you. Um, again, I think it's just the whole, the whole situation with any, with type sevens is to notice their tendency to, to be, um, to give themselves pleasure and to give themselves new and exciting things. And it's kind of like what Amy was saying about your daughter. Other people around you, sometimes other numbers, other types have a real hard time keeping up with sevens. It's just like, you exhaust me, you know, <laughs> or I can take you in small bits. I can, you know, um, great, great, love, love to spend the weekend with you. And I got to go home on Sunday night because I got to rest, you know, or whatever. So, just knowing that can give you insight as to how you show up with other people. What are the strengths you bring, but then also what are some things that you might just want to be mindful about so that as you interact with others. Okay, so let's talk about um, some elements of the Enneagram that... Um, some sort of further refinements because that's kind of your base. But then there's in our work, there's what's called subtypes and instincts. And the three subtypes are self-preservation, one-to-one and social. And you are considered a one-to-one -one subtype. So the one-to-one -one subtype are those people who will focus on those one-to-one -one relationships, just like it sounds. So your currency is always going to be in that relationship energy. That's where you're going to thrive. That's what you look for. That's the way you um, want to interact in the world. Whereas a the self-preservation, their primary concern is 
just like it sounds. I need to preserve myself and in doing so, feel like I'll be able to maintain myself and others. So their whole orientation. And the truth is every type, all the nine types have each of the three subtypes. So like I coach a seven who's a self-pres seven and I coach a seven who's a SO seven. So they're every so they're all every every number has every type. It's just and I, I'm a foodie, so I think about it like ice cream. You know, like if you have vanilla ice cream and you put strawberry sauce on that ice cream, you're going to experience that vanilla ice cream one way. Then if you put chocolate sauce on it, you're going to experience it a different way. So it's the same ice cream. Seven is seven, but how you how people experience that seven is going to be different based on the subtype. Okay. So. Okay. I don't know if that's a good metaphor, but it makes sense to me. So, I mean, I love ice cream and that made sense to me. So, yeah. So people will experience you and you will ex get your energy again from those one-to-one -one relationships. Amanda, do you have any questions about the seven before? Um, well, I think one of the things I was thinking as you were sharing was, um, does your Enneagram change as you you know, age, or is that something that like, you're born a seven, you're always a seven? So there's different conversations in the community and in the work. Most folks in the Enneagram work believe that your Enneagram, um, you come in with kind of a thrownness, you come in with an orientation and then that orientation is either nurtured and you develop fully into that orientation or you try to override it. But either way, pretty much by early childhood, your Enneagram is set and then you just are acting at it. You, you know, you continue to be whatever you are the rest of your life. Now, how aware of it you are may come and go. And you may, in lots of people, I find that sometimes, depending upon their parent, and Amy was saying, you know, from her channeling, that, that you came in with a healthy side of the reframing. For lots of people, if they're in unhealthy environments, they may get squashed. They may be, you know, they may be tried to be forced into another pattern, into a different way of being. And I've had people who when they take the assessment, they go, oh, this is who I've always thought I was. But, you know, like I've been acting this other way because this is the way I was told I needed to be. So lots of people, especially like we were talking about in the American culture, we're a 378 culture. So a lot of people that are not those numbers will try to act like those numbers because that's what's perceived as valuable. Right. So it's only in as we have continued to mature both as a country and organizations that we now understand, Oh, there's value in, you know, having people show up in their authentic selves. The other thing that does change is how well you utilize the other numbers. It's like, we all are all yes. the numbers, but seven is who you are as like at your core, you know, and then how you utilize okay. the other energies. It's kind of, it's almost like you could think about it like chakras. Like we all have all the chakras, but some of us really hang out in our third eye and some of us hang out in our sacral. It's like, 
your core self is a seven, but over time and in situations, you might lean towards some other numbers differently to help you get through whatever the situation is. So that's a great segue. I'm on page four, 15 of your report, and we can go back to seven to end point. Any other thing that you want to talk about, but we'll just kind of keep going over the highlights because I think there's, to me, there's key elements that I want you to understand as a tool for self-development. Right. So as Amy said, first, understanding yourself as a seven and then what type of seven you are and then where the opportunity comes in for stretch and growth is to understand how do we use the other numbers? How do I, so uh, there's what's the concept called wings. So just like a bird has two wings, like we have two hands, the wings for the seven are six and eight. So those are the numbers that are next to you on the Enneagram dial. And those are the numbers that are the easiest for you to move into because they're, they're the closest to you. Now, like our handedness, you will probably find that you lean more towards one than the other more naturally. But the opportunity is to utilize those wings when your thing's not working. You know, like the thing I usually do is not, not quite getting me there. Or like in the case of your daughter, what Amy was saying, where you would want to lean into for her is in towards that six. Okay. Because the six is um, the stable person. That's the loyal uh, skeptic. That's such a weird title. The loyal skeptic. Yes. But they're, they're all about stability. They're all about safety. They're all about their risk averse. So mm -hmm. whereas they're still, you can still be optimistic. You can still be positive, but it kind of it slows it slow six sort of slows the seven down a little bit and sort of causes you to say wait a minute let me let me let me look at balance here let me look to see where do i need to um slow these relationships or be more oriented towards uh safety and security or so that's just something to think about because as the seven it'd be a far stretch for you to go across the whole thing all the way over to four but you see where six is like oh i can just lean into that six and the same thing is true on the other side which is the eight and the eight is the active controller and those are the people that you know what i call the large and in charge group <laughs> we get stuff They're done like, i say we i'm not an eight at all <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, they get stuff done. They're large and in charge. They uh, sort of don't care who they offend on the way to their achievements because, you know, that that's sort of. So in some cases, you know, and I'm not. There's value in that eight energy. There's value in that. Like, I'm going to get things done. You know, I'm telling you, if I was in a fire, I'd want an eight because they're <laughs> going to know what to do. And they're going to get the, you know what I mean? Yep. So there's some places where that eight really has value. And so sometimes when a seven, so a couple of things can happen. One is I've, I've gone out here and I've gotten, I've created this 
you know, cafeteria of all these experiences and I've got all these things to do and I've got all these ideas. So engaging with the eight can give you, help you develop that plan. How do I, how do I execute on these ideas? How do I move into um, manifesting into uh, moving forward these ideas? Eight energy can do that for you. So uh, they also have the ability, whereas a seven can bring people along in terms of the vision, an eight can bring people along to help you get things done. Right. So it's kind of a different if you think about that. So um, just to begin to think about um, the wings as an opportunity to broaden and to stretch and to lean. It's like, okay, when either I feel stuck as a seven or, you know, I'm mindful of one or other people and or something I need to accomplish. Let me look to how I can do that. Helpful. Yes, that's so helpful. I, I can really see how I can, like you said, lean into a little bit either side of these I don't want to say easily, but more easily than like you said, like a four or a one, when I'm looking at those, like the, the six and the eight seem like I, I can see those qualities in me at times right. too. And the six is a bit more challenging for you than the eight. I would say that, yeah. I, yes, I would say it's a lot easier to go towards. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> the guys just want to talk about that real quick. I mean, A, just like Stephanie said earlier, it's kind of like handedness, left hand, right hand, like which one are, is easier for you? The eight's easier for you. Um, and it's an interesting dynamic in your marriage is what they're saying is like, when is it that husband's going to take action? And when is it that you're going to be the eight? Because husband's so attracted to your seven, like so attracted. Um, and then the eight is like, demasculating would be too strong of a word. Like, it's not like it's demasculating, but it's like a little bit of a put off. Like, like maybe he feels a little bit lost or something. So it doesn't mean that you don't need it because you do need the eight, but that's one of the dynamics to be aware of. Um, and what they want to say about the six for you is they want to confirm what Stephanie said earlier about how the six might be more helpful when, when um, if you get the sense that, that your daughter is feeling like, dragged along. And here's what's happening that I see so clearly. It's like, when you have a vision, you're having a vision of your whole family. And it's like, we're doing this and you're seeing the whole family. And a lot of the time she's right there with you and she's in the vision and it's like, yeah, mom, let's go. But some of the time it's like, no, that's your vision. And I'm back here. <laughs> like, like she kind of wishes she could opt out. And so the what your guides are saying is when you lean into that six that's going to give you kind of the slowdown and the the time to have the mental process of is everybody really on board or have i just envisioned this and and i'm envisioning it but no one else is really with me if that makes sense yeah yeah i feel like i just said everything that we I, already said it, but yeah <laughs> no no so i was i was going to say that one of the things that my husband says sometimes is like, you're being too nitpicky or like, just let me do this. I have the plan. Some, something like that. Right. So 
what you said about leaning into the eight, sometimes it is a challenge because then it's like stepping on toes. And, um, and so I see that in our marriage. And then I think, yeah, our daughter is, is just very, she allows me to reassess slowing down for sure. And it, it has opened my eyes to, um, saying no sometimes to things that I would typically say yes to, because I feel like we as a family need to recharge at home and give her and us a break from something that the other three of us would be like, here we go, you know, and just like power through charge on. Um, but with her energy, I can see how it, it, uh, it causes an awareness in our family dynamics to be a little different, which is so beautiful that you're so on top of it. I, I mean, I, I've, Hopefully I can tune in more times than not, but yes, I'm trying to be more aware. A thing that you can do is you can ask yourself, how would a six see this? How would a six interpret this? How, what perspective would a six bring yeah. or an eight? I like that. But that's a, that's kind of a, a clue like, oh, let me just pause a minute and this is a way because sevens are excellent at reframing. We've already <laughs> said that. So you just reframe it and think about, okay, how could I view this as a, as a six, a person who's interested in stability and safety and, you know, is more risk averse. Right. But guys, want to add one more thing about your daughter and then we're going to move on. What they're saying about her is that her whole world is internal. And so when she doesn't have enough time to herself, it's like she's, she just hasn't even had time to be yet because all of that is like, okay. it's fun and it's great and she appreciates it, but it's almost like she's outside of her body when she has yeah. too much social. Um, she's a very internal, she loves it inside, like get into my clamshell. I got this whole world inside my clamshell. You know, she loves it in there. Um, and so th that just might be a helpful framing for you. Cause it, it is also like, we're going to exhaust her and overstimulate her that all of that is true, but it's also like, okay, what I love is to do the vision and do the next thing. But what she loves is to go into her world, which her world exists mm -hmm. inside of herself. Um, and that makes so much sense. How old is she? She's two. Oh, she's so little. I was thinking she's like four. Uh, but yeah, she's a very No, internal. she's two. Our son is four. Okay. Okay. All right. So one of the other key elements that I want to share with you is a long way down your report. On page 23. And this is where that sort of ancient geometry comes in. You'll see in that little gra uh, graph that as a seven, you're connected to the one and the five. And the five is your release point and the one is your stretch point. So again, again, I'm a foodie. So I think about the five, like have you ever worked with a pressure cooker? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you you know that at some point you have to relieve the pressure <laughs> before you can open the pot. Yes. So to me, the, the release point is always like, what's the thing that's going to let the pressure off the pressure cooker? 
So um, your release is the quiet specialist. So that's like, that feels like opposite energy. It's like quiet, go slow, go internal, be still, look for, go deep in something rather than spread the waterfront, which is what sevens usually like to do, like have a lot of experiences. They're like, nope, they're telling you this is an opportunity to deepen, go deepen, go go slower, go quieter, go, um, and that that will actually center you. And it's, it's so counterintuitive to most sevens. But the truth is, it, embracing that five actually can give you more energy than to take out into that seven experience. But if you just go like the Energizer Bunny, it's like at some point you got to recharge. Right. So the five is the opportunity to release the stress move into recharge, move into centering. And that's also a place I tell people that are sevens and most sevens just go, what, what am I going to do? What, <laughs> you know, like maybe do a journal, maybe do some sort of quiet practice. And that's a place to consider doing some work around those feelings, especially those ones that as sevens you tend to avoid. Right. I, I love journaling and I've gotten back more into it recently and I call my space my zen den and I try to have it like you know I like write down my quotes that are you know resonate with me and I have my oracle deck and my mala beads and my crystals and I'm trying to be more intentional about my space and then actually taking the time to you know hone in and center and give myself the time to be in that space instead of just having the items, but, you know, engaging with them in the way that recharges me in a different way. Well, what was interesting is when you said all that, I thought, now only a seven would have, I have my cards and I have my beads and I have my this. I was like, okay, the, the, the smorgasbord of, you know, other items is very interesting. My gluttony, my gluttony. Yeah. Okay, and then one, uh, the stretch point is the strict perfectionist. Now, what they say in your report is it's likely to be the point of stress, but I also look at the stretch point as the place where when what you've normally done does not work, you were up against it, you were up against it, and you need to figure out some other way to make something happen one is going to be the place where you got to go because um so that's the one the value of the one is just to look at okay when when what i normally do doesn't work or i need to do something different you know how am i going to um stretch into something so one is that opportunity now you go what one is the strict perfectionist is like okay what does that look like for a seven? Well, it's not. Um, it's about control. It's about self-restraint. It's about checking the details, which for some sevens, it's like, oh, this is just, you know, agony. But it's the thing, no matter what your number is, um, 
sorry, my phone's just going off and I can't get rid of it. Um, for all numbers, whatever is their stretch point, Amy will tell you her stretch point is a, it's like, ah, this is pulling teeth, but it is the thing that can help you over the hump when you've, you know, like when you're just reaching up to a hard spot, it's like, okay, this is the thing that maybe I can, if I embrace this part, it's going to give me a different perspective. For earlier, Stephanie said you would ask like, what would a six do? For me, I have to ask my stretch point number. For me, my stretch is the eight. Um, when I'm absolutely like, I've tried everything and it's not working. <laughs> I have to go to, what would the eight do? Because I haven't tried the eight. Like, I know <laughs> I haven't because it's so not natural for me. But then that, for me, that always is like the carrot that dangles. It's like, hello, Amy, like this is the answer. And that is the, the thing. Okay. I don't always accomplish it, but it at least gives me the insight of, of my next path so path yeah yeah that i love that okay so we've hit the major points type seven subtype one-to-one -one relationships the um wings six and eight stretch and release lines five and one so um now let's talk about what questions you have What's something you're working on that you think, let me, how could I look at this through the Enneagram lens? What would be helpful? I, I'm just like, there's so many things you've shared that were so in just eye opening for me. Um, I think one of the things just from what we just talked about was, uh, you know, how, how do I like stay on a path with my ideas when I feel overwhelmed with my ideas, right? Like I have my um, like brainstorm, you know, of all the things. And then to stay on a path is very challenging for me. And then I get overwhelmed and I have my sticky notes and I have my notebook with all my ideas. And then I'm just like overwhelmed and feel like the vessel is, like you said, overflowing without like, you know, what do I do? <laughs> Right. So I would say two things. I would say use that time, use that quiet time to help create that focus, that use that five, that release point that, you know, that deep, quiet focus, and then connect that with your eight energy. Okay. Because that active controller, those folks, they're like the get it done kind of folks. So they almost can sometimes have hyper focus on the accomplishment. So those two things might help you if you think about, okay, I've got this whole range of things, which is great. Sevens are visionary. I keep having the visions, but it's like, okay, what's mine to do right now? Ask that question. What's mine to do right now okay. in that, in that deep contemplation period, what, what's up for me? And then how do I enact it? What's my action steps? Because you also read active controller as action. So that's the action part. Okay. So combining those two perspectives with the vision that you have. Well, here's what spirit wants to say okay. about that. What spirit says is that sevens are so visionary that they move faster than the speed of manifestation. 
whereas other numbers can't keep up with their manifestation and they don't even realize that they've manifested stuff because they're not in touch with their vision and the way the manifestation process works the same way. So the opportunity for you is to decide, go into either the six or the eight, but to decide which of these visions do I want to enact? That's or to say, I have so many good ideas. I'm going to let spirit figure out which one is the one that's in the highest and best for all involved. Um, yeah. And your guides want to be very clear that it's always, it's always both. It's always I'm deciding and spirit. But when it comes to, I have so many ideas and so many visions and like we could have them all. Um, that it's okay to choose between what do I want to create and then what do I want to see if it will just be made manifest while I sleep. Like, it's okay to decide okay. these are the ones I really want to take action towards. And I'm just going to like put my manifestation vote towards these other ones for spirit to bring to me. Um, and to okay. just know essentially that that struggle of, I, I have more visions than what I have time to enact that's not going anywhere. Like that's, that's a lifetime. You're never just going to be like, these are the three things I'm working on. <laughs> that's not going to be your journey. Um, and so go okay. into the six to help you like get clear on what is it that I want to take action on and, and what am I willing to allow spirit to take over? And what they also say is you'll notice that some of the things that fall away come back and you'll be like, oh, I had, I had that vision two or three years ago and now it's back. And so if that, if that helps you to release some of those things where you're like, but it was so good, you know, it would have been so great. If yeah. It helps you to release to be like, you know what, it's, it'll come back in another form. Yes, I really, I like that perspective for sure. Awesome. What other things would be of interest to you? I mean, there's so much in this report. I mean, you saw that there's, 20 some odd pages. So we clearly didn't cover everything, but I don't want to overwhelm yeah, you. I want you, I, I want to give you enough yeah. that you've got a start and something to work with. And I think one of the things I was curious about was the physical or sorry, the psychological strain. If you could talk more about that or just like any of these strains, but you know, the strain profile, I'd like very curious about what that is. Um, but I just, my, psychological strain is very high and I would agree with that not knowing really what that all means okay so let me say this about all of the strain profile of all the things in this report this is a moment in time snapshot okay so now why is that valuable because we're all here in this moment in time so understanding what's our current strain profile it's just another way for us to look to see one, you know, self-understanding and then also think about what can I, how can I utilize the tool of the Enneagram to look at my current circumstances and maybe adjust some things. Is that helpful? Yeah. So don't feel like this is permanent. This is temporary and this is absolutely, at the time you took the assessment, so weeks ago, you might have been going through something those two or three days when you took it that caused you to feel have this reflection okay so we'll just say that don't don't feel like this is like oh my enneagram is permanent and i'm always going to be in <laughs> under strain no 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 it's just 
a moment in time. That makes sense. So let's, we'll just go through each one of these. So, um, and the first one is the environmental strain. That's obviously your environment. And it's like, it's not, you don't feel like it's perfect. It's not bad. It's just prep, maybe not where you want it to be. And again, sevens are so visionary, you know, like they, you see the house completely finished and you may be at a place where, you know, it's 80%, but it's not a hundred percent, but that that'll cause strain to a seven because you have such a strong vision of how you want your environment to be, how you want it to function. And so anything that, doesn't meet that vision it's gonna you're gonna experience it as some degree of strength i would agree with that okay and then um vocational strain again that's looking at your career what you're doing you know um lots of sevens experience vocational strain because being committed to one thing can or being committed to a job can feel limiting to, to a seven and it's like oh but i want to do this and i want to do that and i got this other thing and so that again remember we said the core focus for sevens is that freedom what they're seeking is freedom so for some people for some sevens they experience more vocational strain just because of the feeling of limitation okay like they're not getting to do all the things that they think they would like to do right. in their career and their work. So, um, so not unusual. And again, part of that can also be about like, I know some of the six is integrating that five energy and that leaning into six, because again, six is about stability. And so like, I can, I can be okay with this job. I can be okay with this work or this place in my career and know that I have this other vision that'll come when the time is right, right. but I can be, I can experience a degree of satisfaction if I lean into that six, sixness. Okay. Um, physical strain you rated as high. And now that you say you have a two-year-old, it's not surprising. <laughs> Truthfully, young parents, I think, are always under high physical strain. It's just a lot. Yeah. They're, little kids are a lot. So, um, but that also just is an indication that you probably want to pay attention to some self-care and slowing down. And again, it's that it's both the conditions you're in, the age of your children, and combined with being a seven who wants to experience a lot of things and I've got all this energy and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But then taking that time to sort of recenter, do some self-care work that can and attend to your own sort of physical needs because again, sevens are outwardly focused for the most part. Like you're in that, you're that one-to-one -one relationship. So you're going to be focused outwardly on those relationships it says, this says you need to take some time for yourself. Yeah. That that's, I'm learning to be more focused on that in this phase of life with young kids. Yeah. Uh, low strain on your interpersonal life. So as Amy said, your husband probably loves you as a seven. 
your relationship is not a source of stress and um, that you feel supported and like you can be who you are in the context of your relationships. I do. I feel really, really grateful for that. And then, okay, so psychological strain, that was the one you asked about, and I've been going through every one, That's, but the psychological, yeah, um, it's kind of like what you were saying, you experience strain when you feel like, oh, I've got all these ideas and I can't figure out which one I need to work on. That's the psychological strain. That's the like, oh my gosh, I've got more ideas than I've got time to do with. And I've got this, then I got that, and I've got this other vision. So in looking at that, it's counterintuitive because sevens feel so um, strongly attached to their visions and that creative process, mm -hmm. but it can like, I can spend a thousand ideas, but then how am I going to get them done? And the not getting them done causes me to have strain that, Oh, I'm not achieving what I believe is my vision. So it's that that's where you kind of get. Yeah. Um, sort of I had an image of a gerbil on a on a wheel or a hamster on a wheel. Yes. It's like you know, I can run fast, I can run fast, I can let me run faster. No, it's like, okay, at some point you gotta stop, get off the wheel, take a little time out, and then refocus and set some priorities. And know that those things that are part of your vision, you know, I um I tell sevens a lot, I don't you know what your thoughts are, but I tell seven, you know, maybe you just need to affirm divine timing. There's divine timing in all things. And let me just move into a place of surrender, <laughs> peacefulness, and know that my visions, I can hold on to them and they will come in divine time. Yep. So. They say part of your part of the strain of this phase of life is that you feel like you have to move slower than you want to move because of kids and like, like all the circumstances. Um, yeah. And so whenever you do have your quiet time, they want you to sort of. What's I don't want to use the word. They just want you to give yourself compassion at knowing that like I'm in a time that's harder for me at my physiological self, even though mentally, logically, I'm fully here. I chose this. I love this time in my body at my core self. It's a challenge to move this slow. And so yeah. to just give yourself extra compassion, like they say, if you could just start every session, every session where you're, where you go to your Zen den, just be like, I'm starting this by sending myself compassion that this is this time. Okay. I really like that. Like, it's, it's not that you're not good at it. It's not that you can't hack it. It's just that it's an added stress to make you slow down. Um, and yeah. so just be like, I'm starting this time by giving myself compassion because I am being forced to do something that, that is not natural for me on top of all the lovely things that I've chosen to do, you know, um, yes. they, they say yes. that that practice is going to help you and they want you, um, when you're imagining that this compassion, they want you to sort of imagine as if you're your own great grandmother, 
and it's like your great grandmother's going to step into the room. This is so I've never had this come through for a compassion exercise, but your great grandmother's going to step into the room and kind of pick you up like you're like a three year old and like kind of toss you up in the air and be like, oh, it's so nice to see you and like sort of celebrate that you're with yourself. And that they want you to be your great grandmother's self because that's like we can we can feel unconditional love better when we imagine an ancestor than when we're imagining ourselves. Um, but it's like, if you could delight in yourself and here I am, I'm with myself and I'm just having compassion for this journey of life. And the other reason why the great grandmother figure is handier than, than just like a mirror is because from that perspective, you can see that this is all temporary, that this is one phase of life. And so imagine that your great grandmother's going to come and she's going to pick you up and sort of swing you around. And then we're just going to hold and squeeze and nuzzle and just be at like, yes, honey, this is a time and you're doing so great. And you're like, it's so good, but also it's a time and let me just hold you. And it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't have to be like a, I'm a mess and I need to cry and life is hard. It could genuinely be a joyful thing, but just having that sort of energy of somebody that has this broad perspective of time that is so cherishing of all that's great about you and at the same time is holding and this time is challenging so just imagine that figure comes in to help you with the self-compassion they say it's a handy um thing for you i've never had a great grandmother archetype come through in a compassion exercise so i like that homework that's cool that was really beautiful yeah. thank you well, I'm thinking this sort of, to me, like the next step in your exercise is like, okay, do that, be compassionate. And then when we're looking at this happiness thing that says, oh, you've got a low level of happiness. It's like, well, not surprising. <laughs> Sevens always are looking at the future. They're always looking at what else can I accomplish? Where, where else do we need to be? Oh, you know, so it's hard to have a recognition that what brings me joy, what gives me happiness, because happiness is not in the future, which is where sevens want to live. Yeah. But happiness is in the moment. It's in the day. So that's the thing you might think about it, adding to your journal, write three things down every day that make you happy. Yep. Today, what made me happy <laughs> today? Now what's going to make me happy next week or next month, but what made me happy today? Right. So, because Again, that seven energy is so future focused. It's so visionary, which is great, but it has, it sometimes can make it hard for you to, for sevens to experience happiness because they're fixated on what's coming next. Yeah. Is that helpful about the strain profile? That was all so enlightening. And I feel like it gives me a lot to think about and lots of value and yes. Thank, thank you so much. Good, good. Okay, anything else? What else would be helpful? What else would you like to know now that we've kind of dove into the major concepts and pieces? I, I, I guess my, uh, my last other question I can think of is, you know, how, how do you, you know, apply this to life, like, on the daily? Or, like, how do I just integrate this more with my kids and my family? So I would say um, a couple of things. One is 
I like to just check back over because there's there's good prompts in the report about exercises you might want to do or things you might want to think about. So I just try to keep those questions at hand. Like one, be mindful. I'm looking at this as a three or as a two or a four or whatever, a seven. How else would a seven look at this? How else would a six look at this? How else would an eight look at this? Or remind myself, oh, I'm feeling stressed. Um, and like, what else can I do? Because typically what we do as humans is we just think to do more of what we're already doing. It's like, oh, let me just do some more of that. That will surely take care of it. No. So the value, the opportunity is to say, okay, what did I learn? Okay, as a seven, where can I go to get some release? Where can I go to do things differently? I can look at my wings. I can look at my lines. Those are opportunities for me. Or even if I just say, as a seven, these are my blind spots. These are the things I'm likely to not be paying attention to. Let me slow down. Let me see it. Let me look at the things that I don't typically pay attention to because there's probably some opportunity in there for me. That's huge. The blind spot. Okay. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. And that's, there's, right. Well, and they're all written out. There's a, there's a list of your blind spots on page. Uh, let me go back to. Yeah, those blind spots are helpful. Yep. Seven. Seven. And they're pretty well laid out. And not all of them may hit you, but that's an opportunity just to think about, okay. Yeah. So that's where I'd say start there dive you know read back over this again sort of make any notes you know amy knows how to get a hold of me you can text me or email me and say hey i came up with this or this this popped in so um yeah feel free to reach back thank you so much so i'm gonna have the guides walk us out but before i do that i i just want to kind of say again the value is that it's like the fish discovering water you know when when I learned about my Enneagram number, the first thing I thought was, well, duh, like, of course that's me. And the second thing I thought was this, this is my whole life. Like th my whole life is sort of consumed by this. I'm always solving for this. And so realizing that I'm, I'm on one hand, I'm always going to solve for my number. But on the other hand, if I could welcome in some other energies, I would actually accomplish what I'm getting at better. And so it's just like, it's literally understanding the air that you breathe. You breathe vision and adventure and abundance and optimism. And all of those are wonderful things. And so it's just knowing, but not everybody else can keep up. And I... I have more visions than can manifest in the time that I would like to allow. And um, just knowing that those dreams are always going to come back for you, come back for you, the ones that don't manifest like right here and now. Um, and what the guides really want to also, we've had this discussion before, but your family was so carefully chosen. All families are carefully chosen, but your family was so carefully chosen. And you came in to support one another and help one another heal and blossom. Some families, it's like, we kind of, we had to needle each other. We had to do that. But yours, 
so carefully chosen to help one another heal. And so to just know that anything that if you go back and listen to this and we're all like, slow down because your daughter's feeling left out. Don't take that on as like, a, it's not that. Um, it's coming in at an ideal time for you because you already knew that and you were already on top of it. And so they're just affirming that you already know and you're already living this. And this just helps you have another lens and another vocabulary to do what you've already been doing. Okay, and so I'm just gonna close my eyes gently because I just wanna feel this moment of gratitude. And we're inviting in all of Amanda's spirit team, ancestors, guides, um, ascended masters, everyone that is here, angels. And we're just gonna take a brief moment and collectively send love and pure source energy to Amanda. And we honor the seven, that spark of creativity and abundance and optimism. We honor the light and the joy and the expansion that Amanda's energy brings into this world. And we honor all the work that she does to incorporate all the other numbers that she needs for her life and her family. And we just thank you for this time to all be together. And we ask that our guides continue to allow us to evolve and to grow and continue to give us the insights that we need or that we would benefit from as we do so. And Amanda and Stephanie, I just want to thank you so much for your time and agreeing to be on the podcast. What a joy. Thank you so much. My heart is so full. I feel so enlightened, so much value and just so much gratitude. Thank you both. Well, it's great to meet you and great to get to know you and we will wish you well on your journeys. All right. Thanks, everyone.